Well, good evening, everybody. Hope y'all are doing well. Go ahead and look at our notes. As we start out tonight, we're going to move quickly. We've got a lot to talk about as we kind of start closing up shop here on, on this on this course on, on uh, the gospel and evangelism. So let's do the quiz together tonight. What do you say? Yeah. One big group working on this together. So number one, the ten points of the gospel. Right? Number one is what? Amen. Sovereign creator of all things. Number two. Amen. Number three. Holy and righteous. Number four. Yeah, exactly. Man is simple. Or as Pastor Cody would say, you bad. Um, let's see. Uh, number five. Amen. Number six. God is just and righteous. That's not number six. Right, number five. God is just and right to punish sin. Yes, ma'am. Number six. God is merciful. He is kind to unmerciful sin. Amen. All right. Just a second. Number seven. Jesus is God's Amen. He's God's holy and righteous Son. Number eight. That's right. If you want to, if you want to do the short version, just say two C O R five colon two one. Second Corinthians five twenty one. He made him who knew no sin be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Amen. Number nine. God offers the free gift of salvation. That's right. The free gift of salvation for eternal life to those who repent and trust in Jesus. Alright. What are the only two possible responses to the gospel? That's right. And those who respond in this way will... Face God's judgment and wrath. And judgment and wrath. And then, or the other option is to submit to Christ as King by repentance and faith. Amen. Those who respond this way will forgiveness and eternal life. Receive forgiveness and eternal life. And then number 10. Those who trust in Jesus will live to praise Him and receive the promise of eternal life and join God in heaven forever. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. There's there's no sweeter sound in this man's ears than hearing uh, a room full of people reciting the gospel. That is that's a good sound. I like that a lot. So and then also again for we did this last week, but I want you can take this home and work on it as well. Think about what are those four gospel threads, and then take those four gospel threads. Think through the list that you just filled in and start plugging those in. Where do I see? Challenge your mind thinking, where do I see uh, the, these gospel threads in these points? Or which points correspond with these threads? Okay? Alright, let's go ahead and turn over on the back of that page. We're going to play a little catch-up from last time. Um, we're going to talk quickly about Way of the Master. 
and uh, their use of the law. Um, did I? I'm pretty sure I did an abbreviated version of that in your notes. If you don't have last week's notes with that full conversation of uh, a way to use the, the law in, uh, in, in sharing the gospel with somebody, week eight notes or less than eight notes are over here on the table. Go ahead and pick one of those up as you leave tonight. But um, what is the... Uh, we don't have time to go through uh, all the different tracks that Way of the Master has. They have a ton of them. Uh, they're the ones that they have the million dollar bills and the... Uh, all those kinds of things. Just things that grab your attention, but also then share the gospel with you. And uh, so, in my mind, what is the, the greatest strength of way of the Master? It's that it uses the law. It uses the law to help lost people see their lostness. To see their sinfulness and their need for a Savior. That's really the, I feel like this is the greatest strength that way of the Master. Ray Comfort, and, uh, you grew up watching, uh, or or watching Growing Pains, and uh, saw Kirk Cameron on there. Kirk Cameron's a big advocate for Way of the Master as well. And exactly. Uh, interesting, just to, to read about his story, uh, and kind of rising to the peak of fame, and then coming to know Christ in the midst of that, and how really, when you watch, was it Mike? Is it Mike Seaver? Yes. To watch his character do almost a 180 pivot in the midst of the, the, the height of that show, Growing Pains. It was because Kirk Cameron came to know Christ and he could not stand the thought of being the troublemaker, the consummate troublemaker, and setting that kind of standard for, for young people. He wanted, he wanted something different. And so that's where Leonardo DiCaprio gets his, his opportunity. It's because they had to bring in somebody to be the scoundrel. And so, but then Mike, uh, Kirk Cameron gets to come alongside as kind of the the, the role model and the helper, the advocate. And so it's just interesting how even we see outcroppings of that in popular culture. Uh, that the, the, when people come to the Christ, things really do start changing. So just thought that was interesting. Thought you'd, be, you'd appreciate that. Uh, so the way of the master. Greatest strength, again, using the law, helping an unbeliever see their need for Christ. Psalm, 7, or Psalm 19, verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making the wise the simple. Uh, Charles Spurgeon had to say this. I do not believe that any man can preach the gospel who, do, who does not preach the law. The law is the needle. And you cannot draw the silken thread of the gospel through a man's heart unless you first send the needle of the law to make way for it. Whew. That's, that's a good word. Um, so with that said, then what do we, when we talk about the law, what do we mean? Right? We've talked about different kinds of law in, in, uh, in our Old Testament 1 class. So when we talk about the law, we're talking about the moral law. Chiefly the Ten Commandments. Right, they are, a, they are not some external standard apart from God. They are a reflection of His very character. They do not change. Uh, so whereas other things, uh, civil law, ceremonial law, these things are under specific covenants in specific situations in history. And so they, though they do also reflect the character of God, they are, they are more applications of the law, of, of the moral law, into a specific people in a specific place in a specific time. So um, with the, as when we talk about using the law, we're not going to say, like, do you eat shrimp? Do you mix fabrics? 
You know, those kinds of things. Do you plant different things in the same field? You need Jesus. That's not what we're talking about, right? This, how many times have you heard that, though, of like, uh, as, a, as a standard for hypocrisy for Christians, right? Uh, or a challenge for hypocrisy. Um, so, but when we talk about we're talking about the, the law. And so, um, I've I, I really, to save time for tonight, uh, I'm going to spare uh, us from going through the entirety of that. I want to spend more time on some of these practical things at the end. But I've got that all written out for you in the week eight notes, uh, and that's right here for you to pick up as you head out tonight if you don't already have that. But again, the key there is the, using the law. What would be the law's purpose then? I did see in a, a send an example of that video to Way the Master this week. So if you got oh, you did? From me, yeah, of Mario. That was, that was a... There you go. Hey. Okay. You didn't get that. <laughs> yeah. Man, I love, I love watching Ray Comfort go just walk up to people on the on the streets in California and just sharing the gospel with them, and and I and you can see like I mean there is a he is he's firm, but he is so caring too. Like the whole like when when people are you can see they're kind of getting kind of amped up at him, and but then he talks about like you know he gets through the law. He go basically for those if you have you've never seen it before. What he does is he will he'll walk through at least four of the of the Ten Commandments. Usually he'll talk about. Um, uh, have you ever stolen anything? Thou shalt not steal. Have you ever um, have you ever told a lie? Uh, have you ever murdered anybody? Which usually take people back, right? right? No, I've never murdered anybody. But then goes to Jesus and Matthew uh, and Matthew six, and that 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 hatred is murder. And then uh, have you ever looked at anyone with lust? Right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. But then Jesus says, if you look at someone with lust in your heart, then you already committed adultery with them. So then you'll say, based on your own admission, you are a lying, thieving, uh, murdering, adulterer at heart, right? And then say, does, um, based on God's standard, are you are you do you still think you're a good person? They usually say, uh, no. Some people get combative and they say, sure I am, you know, that kind of thing. But you'll see there are a couple little sidebar, little side notes about how to deal with that there in the notes for from uh, week eight. Um, but then says, you know, this, based on based on God's standard, then. When you die, would you go to heaven or hell? And and then does that concern you? I love that question. Does that concern you? And because even if they say it doesn't concern them, then Ray says, it, well, it concerns me. I love you. I know I just met you, but you're made in the image of God. You're worthy of dignity and respect. I care about you. I care about your soul. I care about where you spend eternity. And that's why I'm out here doing this. If I didn't care, then I wouldn't be here, right? Then, so that's the... Because that's most people will say, well, you're just trying to make me feel better. No, I really do care about you. And that's why I'm here. Uh, so this, I, I love, I love watching it. It's so encouraging to me. And I've, I've, I've used this feature of Way of the Master a couple of times. And it, in those particular situations where somebody is saying, no, I still think I'm a good person. After going through about what sinfulness of man is uh, based on thread number two. Um, be able to say, well, you know, if you think you're a good person, then let's, let's can we just go through the, a few of the Ten Commandments real quickly and, and, and just maybe, maybe, maybe that'll help. Uh, shed some light on what I'm talking about here and then going through that. It usually is very helpful. Either they're ready to walk away or try to hit you or they're convicted and they're ready to hear the rest of the gospel. One of those three, right? One of those three responses. And, hey, you know, I can always duck or something. You know, absolutely. So, um, but yeah, so what is the purpose then? Why, why do we share the law? Uh, what what is, purpose does it serve? Romans 3, 19 through 20 says, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped. 
that every mouth may be stopped, and that all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Law, the law of God, reveals our sinfulness. Uh, uh, And not only does it reveal our sinfulness, it points the way to the Savior. Paul said in Galatians 3, verse 24, Therefore the law was our tutor. It was our schoolmaster. It, to, to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. So consider consider using the law as you're sharing the gospel. Another tool for your tool belt, right? We talked about there's lots of different good ways to share the gospel. This is one feature that may be helpful to you. Okay? Any questions about that before we move forward, about using the law? Okay. Awesome. All right, let's keep moving then. Um, let's talk then now about what is evangelism. We this is evangelism 101, and now on our last week of like teaching, we're we're now we're ready to answer the question: What is evangelism? Right. So let's let's talk about first what evangelism is not. Okay. Uh, before we get that, I guess we, we'll read this from from Mark Dever. The most important aspect of evangelism is the evangel, the gospel. The good news, if we're not getting the evangel right according to the word, then whatever we're doing, it, it can't be called evangelism. Whew. So let's talk about what what is evangelism not? Okay, and you, see, you see a couple of things there listed out for you. Evangelism is not inferred or implied. We cannot expect someone to see us talking about something else in the Bible or doing something else and, and then imply the gospel from that, right? So this it's not inferred or implied. It's not behavioral, right? In other words, it's not about being a good witness by just being a good person, right? We can't just go out and do kind things for people and, and say, we were sharing the gospel today. We were witnessing. No, you were, you were showing the love of Christ. You were... Uh, you were doing kind things and serving your community even, but is that the gospel? No. So that, that whole phrase of uh, share the gospel always, use words when necessary. How about just share the gospel every day, use words. That works, right? There's words that are necessary, right, to be, to be sharing the gospel. Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and praise your Father who is in heaven. How will they know who your Father is? We live in a culture that does not know who our Father is. How will they know if they have not heard? Alright? So it's not behavioral. It's not just loving on people. I think we've already said that before already. It is not a political agenda or social action. The social gospel is not a gospel. Because the social gospel does not have sharing the gospel as its heart, as its root. Right? We can talk about that all the, uh, all the live long day. Right? There, we can, uh, there's a, actually one of, one, of our, um, one of the free courses that are available at Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary, the seminary we're partnering with now. They, they actually have an entire course on the social justice movement taught by Tom Askell. Uh, it's excellent. I've already previewed a couple of the lessons from it. I, I'm really enjoying his analysis 
of, uh, of, of, of the, the social justice movement and how, um, well, I'll let, we, we can talk about this another time. So um, it's not a political agenda or social action. Uh, again, so, political agendas and social actions, if they are rooted in the gospel, they can be good things, but is that the gospel? Is that witnessing? Not necessarily. Okay? Um, it is not arguing. Ooh. Right? How many times have we gotten to, the, to an argument and then, had, and then walked away thinking we were sharing the gospel with somebody? Or how many times have you witnessed that to take place? Right? And all, all the while to think, well, I, I shared the gospel with them. If, if you're just arguing with somebody about a point of theology or about whether or not God exists, is that the gospel? There's four whole th- there's three other threads beside the thread of about God being the creator of all things, right? So um, it's not just arguing. It's not just apologetics. Right? Apologetics are a wonderful thing, and sometimes they they are very it is very very helpful in cultivating the soil of a conversation for the gospel. But is apologetics the gospel itself? No, it's not. Um, it's not a personal testimony. This has been one that I've had lots of conversations about. Well, Justin, I can't share the gospel through my testimony. You can put the gospel in your testimony, but by sharing your personal testimony, are you sharing the gospel? No. No. So there is a difference there, right? So, um, And then uh, it's not the results of evangelism. It's not conversion. It's, the gospel is the gospel, Right? Um, we can talk more about that some other time too. And it is not an imposition. It is not me trying to force someone else to be a Christian. That is not witnessing. That is not the gospel. Um, and we have uh, we've seen that in history. We're forcing people uh, to be Christians or to take on Christian names or do other things like that. That is not necessarily uh, it, unless the gospel is there. Um, sometimes in stark contrast to our actions, it is not witnessing. Right. Um, so, with that said, evangelism is not these things. What is evangelism? Evangelism is, and I've got a definition there for you, it is an element of the disciple-making process. It's an, an element of disciple-making in which the gospel is explicitly communicated from the scriptures in love by faith with the goal of the salvation of believer, of unbelievers, or the salvation of sinners, rather, to the glory of God. All right? So, uh, it's an element of disciple-making. Matthew 28, 18-20, Jesus said, go, go, and make all disciples, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the enlisting part of disciple-making. Right? Not just that we have people line up at a pool and we dunk them and we've shared the gospel with them, right? No. Because uh, we, we teach regularly here that, that uh, baptism is an outward expression of the inward change that's taking place in your heart. And so somebody never gets baptized apart from, or should never get baptized apart from hearing the gospel message and responding in repentance and faith. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. So this is. This is the evangelism part of disciple-making. It's not the only part, because the other part is what? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So the goal, just like Paul says in Ephesians, is that we may present every man complete in Christ, mature in Christ. Right? There is more to do even after somebody comes to know Christ. 
We'll talk more about that in our spiritual growth class. Um, so it's an element of disciple making in which the gospel is explicitly communicated. Right? We could say something is implicitly communicated when it is implied by what we say. Right? We don't say it in specific words, but we, we use words that might allude to it, imply it. Right? No. Here, sharing the gospel, evangelism is where the gospel is explicitly conveyed, communicated from the scriptures. From the scriptures. The, the scriptures must be the anchor for the gospel. All right, explicitly communicated from the scriptures in love. Right? This has a bearing. Sharing the gospel, uh, the truth of the gospel has a bearing on the way we share the gospel. Right? We don't share the gospel angrily. We share the gospel with love. Love for that person, obviously, because they're made in the image of God. Right? We love this person. We want them to know Christ, but ultimately it's with love for, for God that God would be glorified. And we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, in, in love, by faith, right? we share the gospel knowing that we ourselves, we ourselves don't save anybody. Right? My words, my presentation of the gospel isn't going to save anybody. It's only by God's Spirit working through the proclamation of His Word in the heart of an unbeliever. So I, do, so I proclaim the gospel, I share the gospel Trusting all the while that it's not about my ability to do anything, but trusting that the Lord will work. Amen. Um, so, uh, by faith, with the goal of salvation of sinners, we share the gospel so that people come to know Jesus, right? And then all to the glory of God. Because, just as, Re- uh, as Revelation 4.11 says, uh, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive all glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, John writes. You created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. He is worthy of it all. From him, through him, and to him are all things. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, so we talked about what evangelism is. Let's move on. What, uh, sorry, who must evangelize? Every believer, right? Uh, everyone who receives the Spirit is to evangelize. And every believer receives God's Holy Spirit. Paul says that in Ephesians 1. He says, when you heard the, the, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you, were, you, you received the promised Holy Spirit, a, down, uh, a guarantee who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of His glory. This is good stuff. And what's the intent of that? The intent is to to train us in righteousness and give us the, the power and desire to do what pleases Him, to proclaim the gospel. And Jesus said it in Matthew, uh, or sorry, in, in Acts 1.8, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Um, so everyone who receives the Spirit is to evangelize. All right? Uh, then why, with that said then, if everyone is supposed to evangelize, that includes everybody in this room, everybody in the sound of my voice, then why do we tend not to evangelize? I've been doing a lot of talking. It's your turn to talk now. Why do we tend not to evangelize? Apathy. Apathy. Yeah. Fear. Fear. Fear of man. Fear of man. Yeah. 
That's that's a mouthful in and of itself. All these, each of these words, that's one word, but it, it carries a boatload worth of worth of meaning to it, right? Absolutely. Use it because I'm looking for other things, right? But I've got all these other things to do, you know, all those things. I'll get that later. Um, so, but we think about that like so many times. We're so busy that we're not even we're not even we're not even looking for the doors that might be open. That how the fields are white unto harvest. God help us open our eyes to see how the fields are white. Unto harvest. Um, all right, so let's let's see this. Colin Marshall. Uh, Colin Marshall was actually uh, he and Tony Payne uh, wrote this amazing book called The Trellis and the Vine. It's about disciple making. Uh, so, uh, but he says he says this. I, I say that I say this to tell you, Colin Marshall is from Australia, and so he's going to use a word here that is very interesting, and we'll 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 get to it there. So evangelism presents a communication problem. We want to tell people of the gracious, loving Father who has given up His Son to make them His children. But evangelists are seen as narrow-minded, bigoted, moralistic ratbags. Okay? Infringing on other people's civil rights. Who wants to be tarred with this brush? <laughs> uh, so ratbag, it's Australian slang. It means a stupid, eccentric, or disagreeable person. All right? So um, there you go. So... Um, but, I mean, how often do you feel like, if I share the gospel, they're going to think that I'm all of this. They're going to think I'm a rat bad, right? I don't think I've ever used that term. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, well, go, to, go to Australia. Um, so, with that said, then, we have to remember that the offense of the gospel is unavoidable. It's unavoidable. It's going to happen, Right? The gospel is offensive. Jesus said so much in the in John 15, verses 18 through 20. It says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, then they would keep yours also. Mark Dever says this in, uh, in the, his book, The Deliberate Church. He says, The gospel is inherently and irreducibly confrontational. It cuts against our perceived righteousness and self-sufficiency, demanding that we forsake, cherish sin, and trust in someone else to justify us. Right? The fact that I'm a no-good sinner who has rebelled and against the holy, infinite God of all things and that I'm deserving of His wrath for all eternity. And my only hope is a, is a Jewish man from 2,000 years ago. And I, trust, I have to actively trust in Him as someone who is living now, not only living, but reigning over all creation uh, as my only hope for, for life beyond death. That is, that is incredibly offensive uh, in any in any uh, time place, right? Um, so this is this is where we are, right? We also in this the the offense of the gospel is unavoidable. The temptation to avoid the offense by avoiding the gospel is common, right? We've shared that, right? Who among us has not been tempted to just I just 
I know there's an open door for the gospel here, but I'm just going to let this one slide. I just don't feel like being persecuted today. Right? And often our thought is, well, you know, everybody's going to look at me weird, or you'll actually be able to hear the crickets in the room if I, if I say something about the gospel. Uh, right? Galatians 2, verses 11 through 14 says, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him, I being Paul, withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in a manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as Jews? Notice the key here in this was that they did not, they were not straightforward with the truth of the gospel. Right? And this is the gospel as, as applied really to racism here. Right? Applying the gospel and saying, look, we are all under the banner of Christ. Therefore, we we should we should all be together. There should be no reason for us to be divided, right? Because Christ is the one who who uh, who, took, who did away with the division between us. Ephesians two, right? So um, this is the thing. We are. I mean, uh, Peter. Isn't that, we're in good company then, right? There's lots of all of us struggle with this. Number three, it says, thankfully, the success of evangelism does not depend on avoiding offense. Praise the Lord. We don't go running and searching for the offense, right? That's what the cults do. That's not our job, right? Our job is to not, is not run away from the offense, but where the offense is necessary, we, we bear it. We bear it for Christ's sake, trusting that He is working in us and through us. All right. Um, 2 Corinthians 2, verses 14 through 17, Paul writes, Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing, to the one we are our own... Or sorry. Yeah. Uh, verse 16 says, To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death. And to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God, but as sincerity, as of sincerity, but as from God. Uh, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. So the idea, again, is we're going to be, we're going to reek of, of one kind of fragrance or another. We're either going to, to, to overcome people with the fragrance of life, leading to life as we share the gospel with them, or for those that are refusing to trust in the gospel, we will, we will stink to them of this fragrance of death. All right? And that's unavoidable. This is, this is where we are. Because our allegiance is not to those people. Our allegiance is to Christ. We proclaim Him. Right? Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone. Uh, Paul Dever, Mark Dever, rather, in his, his book, The Nine Marks of a Healthy Church, said, We cannot finally judge the correctness of what we do in evangelism by the immediate response that we see. It is important to understand this truth. As Christians, we should know that even if we are faithful in telling the gospel, people still may not respond. 
their lack of acceptance of the gospel does not necessarily mean that we have been we have been wrong in how we have presented the gospel. Man, praise God for that. Right? You can do it exactly right and still have no response to the gospel. Think about Isaiah. Right? Isaiah is called by the Lord in, in Isaiah 6. Uh, and, and what is he told? You're going to a difficult people. A people who do not want to hear. Paul warns Timothy that the time is coming where people will no longer endure sound doctrine, but they will accumulate for themselves teachers that teach them things that their ears itch to hear. Right? This is where we are. This is, I mean, you look, turn on the TV, and this is where we are today. There is no shortage of Christian, and I use those quotation fingers very heavily, there's no shortage of Christian teachers that are that are peddling the gospel to whoever wants to hear whatever kind of gospel that they can that they can dish out, right? That's not what we've been called to. We've been called to the gospel. The gospel of God. Ultimately we plant the seed, the growth is entirely up to God. Um, although point five says, although in God's providence, our life, we are responsible for our actions, right? Our life can either fertilize the soil or it can harden the soil. Lord, may it be that we are not intentionally hardening the soil of other people's hearts by the way that we live our life. Okay? So, let's, um, let's at least get through, through to the, this next part. Why then must we evangelize? We talked about what what evangelism is, who's supposed to do it, why we tend not to do it. Why why must we evangelize? Because Jesus commands us to. Because Jesus expects us to. I've included uh, five different verses there. Uh, there it's, it's some form of the Great Commission in, in each of the Gospels and in Acts. Right? Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we already talked about. Um, Matthew, Mark, Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the Gospel. Jesus says to the disciples, Luke twenty four forty seven, that repentance and forgiveness of the sin may be repentance and forgiveness of sin may be proclaimed in His name to all nations. Right? This is this is the this is the statement. This is of Jesus's purpose. He came that this would this would take place. Um, and let's see, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John twenty twenty one. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. He does, and what was what was Jesus constantly doing throughout his earthly, his earthly ministry? Preaching the gospel. The time has come. The kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Uh, and then Acts one eight, which we also talked about. So why must we evangelize? Because Jesus, who is King over all creation, commands us to, and because the one who commands us is worthy of all glory. He is worthy of of the glory of every person in this room, every person in this city. Every person in this world, he is worthy of their glory. Why? Because he created all things, and especially, he is especially worthy of the glory of those whom he has redeemed. So, uh, we'll stop right here. We'll finish up with a couple of practical things next time. Uh, We are just out of time. So, any questions about what we talked about so far? I know it was like, Filling a thimble from a fire hydrant tonight. Uh, there's just there's so much there's so many things that I want to say that I want to share with you. Um, so I, I can't wait until next week. Next week uh, we want to be uh, very practical, very uh, as much helpful as we can be. You can look through the notes. We've got a couple of things. 
uh, there. Any questions? Can I make a comment? Yes, ma'am. This hit me like a ton of bricks when um, when you said confrontation. Mm -hmm. And what hinders me personally from evangelizing is that I don't like confrontation. And so, you know, I think, you know, feeling inadequate and all that stuff, but that just really hit me that, you know, that's what it is, but how you overcome that. Well, one of the one of the things I love the most about uh, about Jesus giving the great commission to his disciples, especially there in Matthew twenty eight, is that he gives the commission with a promise. Right? Uh, well, first he grounds everything. He grounds everything in his authority. He says, "All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them." Then verse twenty, right? And behold, I who has all authority in heaven and earth, I am with you. I am with you even to the end of the age. And so I feel like that is that has got to be the root of it. Um, we can and we can. I mean, I think getting practice in. We're going to do we're going to do some of that next week. Um, getting practice in is very helpful. But I think again, like like Pastor Cody said with our, our brother Andy, like our theology. This is this is another one of those places where, just like really all the places in life, that our theology matters that we believe what Jesus promises here that as we as we seek to obey his command we trust that he is with us and because Ephesians 1 tells us he's given us this holy spirit as a down our down payment a guarantee of our inheritance he is closer to us now than he has ever been to his people in in, in history I, I just I think about that how he is working in me Right? Paul says in Philippians 2, 12, and 13, uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, which I would say is this is applying the, the salvation that he's given us to every area of life. Right? It's not me trying to save myself. It's working out what God has already worked in. Because then he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not, well, the fear and trembling is because for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He is working in us. He's he's giving us the desire to share the gospel. And so if you're feeling really dry, like a parched desert land, you think, I'm struggling just to pray and to get up in the morning and read my Bible and spend time with the Lord uh, and, and, and meditate on his word. Sharing the gospel seems like something that's so far out of my reach. Then the beauty of that is Paul is telling us here, He's working in us to give us the power to do what pleases Him, right? But also the desire. And so when we need, what I find so often when I forget is that I I forget to ask God, Lord, orient my heart around what, what you desire for me. Change my want to's. Fill me with, with a desire to glorify Jesus Christ so much that it overwhelms even even my great my great fear, and I want you to hear that right. I struggle with this. There have been people here in Callahan that I've been working up the courage to share the gospel with for the last year or two, right? And so I, I'm I, I am I ain't no genius when it comes to this stuff. I am not like some some uh, like expert in how to share the gospel. But what I have learned, I want to share with you. And so I have to keep going back to saying, Lord. Strengthen my desire. Fill me with a desire to glorify your Son. 
by sharing his gospel. And so that is because I, I hate confrontation. I absolutely hate it. I agree. Well, I think it's important that we understand that it's, we're, not, we're not called to delight in confrontation. Oh, no. Right. Yeah, but I'd say that right. I think it's a real danger because we it live is. in a society that delights in confrontation. Right. Um, and so I think it's, it's almost healthy to not necessarily desire mm. to confront. And yet, I think the thing yeah. we begin to pray for is to love that person more than we fear the confrontation. Right. Right. Because, you know, if, hopefully if somebody came at me with a knife in here or something, um, you guys would love me enough to stop them um, and there'd be a confrontation. Yeah. Um, you know, at, please tell me that's okay. Uh, no, it's fine. I get it. Uh, and, but, but again, you know, I understand why we would struggle with that. I mean, who wouldn't? But on the other hand, we, we really have to see that as right. part of the story is, right. is there is an attack that's coming for this person. They will have a confrontation coming for them. Yeah. Um, and it the question is, because I'm right there with you, I've struggled with this my whole life too, because I'm your man and want to please them, yeah. um, is understanding, you know what, I would rather confront them now um, yeah. than then be confronted with their yeah. sins on judgment day. Absolutely. Um, and I, I've got uh, I've got to ask the Lord to give me strength to do that. Not delighting in it, but resting in that this is the means by which they'll And the greatest thing that I can do for that person is point them to the one who is who not only is worthy of their glory, but will be the satisfaction of their souls. That, that's the that's the highest thing that I can hope for anybody. Right? I, I used to tell middle schoolers right that uh, my desire for everybody I know that knows Christ is that they be greater conformed to, to, to Christ's image. That's the best thing for them. And for those that don't know Christ, they well first they got to know Christ, and then that they would be conformed to the image of Christ. And so that, that really does shape everything else. Sonia, did you have something that you want to share? And then Bob, come to you. When we practice, can we have somebody be like the confrontational person? To Just to kind of like, because I hey. have that same issue. Any of you that <laughs> like being confrontational, Sonia, Sonia needs help with that. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody could be the one who's like, well, I don't need to know. You know, hey. someone could be that person great. so we can have some practice. That would like, be amazing. Yeah. How to deal with that, because I have the same issue. I agree. I think I, that would be good. Um, that'd be wonderful. And I think, it, I, listen, dealing with confrontation is something we need. Yeah. In the church, we yeah. don't know how to deal with confrontation. We um, have to remember, though, that God is the one that prepares the heart before we go to that person. Right. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you about speaking to someone, He's already been dealing with that person about being confronted. Right. And about being spoken to. And perfect love casts out fear, First John. Sure. Right. So it's I deal with the same thing, Faith, you're not alone. Trust me. Oh, yeah. So it's uh it's we just have to remember that we love Jesus enough <clears throat> for that and he deserves that honor. Yeah. And just know that he's already working on them before you get to them. And, and, and Peter says that that one of the, one of the ways that God that God shows us that He loves us is that He allows us to join Him in suffering. And so if it means that I that, that by by sharing the gospel with this person, I, I have to I have to reframe that according to the gospel and say, Lord, you are you are allowing me to to identify with you in your suffering, right? I mean, like the uh, was it Acts five, Acts five. The apostles leave the Sanhedrin. They've been beaten, right, because they shared the gospel. They leave the the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been considered worthy of suffering disgrace for his name. I'm not saying that to scare you, but at the same time, 
that we've got to see. We have to be reminded. We have to stir one another up. And that's another thing we'll talk about next week is how do we stir one another up uh, toward this. We need to be a church family that is actively engaged in reminding each other about these things. We need, we need that. Bob, what were you going to say? Uh, I don't look at it this con- concentration at all. Mm-hmm. A couple of lessons back, we were instructed to let people see Jesus in our life. And mm-hmm. when they see something, say, hey, my church is great. we got two great pastors. And tell them everything good that you know mm-hmm. that happens here and how God's good to you. And, and you know, be a, you know, live the Lord in front of them. And eventually, it's going to be not a confrontation, but a, a awesome pleasure to be able to share the Lord with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so and I think Bob's mentioning something here about like this this is a process as well, right? There is a there who says that, that you that you've got to I mean if you only get one shot in, in this lifetime to share the gospel with this one person, maybe you never cross paths again, that's one thing. But that there is I mean, who's why why not take several cracks at this and, and, and share the gospel with somebody several times? Um, but I, there always has to be that point of I'm not just pointing somebody to my church, although I may invite them to church. There's nothing wrong with that, right? But the goal is that every 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 church member, every believer, would be um, in the midst of inviting their friends to church and doing all those other things. Are you sharing the gospel and pointing them to Christ? So, and I, and I'm, I know I know you firmly believe that as well. I, I just, you know, if you're you that Clay's bar down here, if you're down there on Friday night drinking and carousing around and keep yeah. in sin, then you try to witness to them, it's not going to work. Right. They need to see you living as a Christian. Absolutely. And then it, it all flows and it's easy. Exactly. And that's where we'll talk to you a little bit next week about our cultivating the soil of those conversations by applying the threads of the gospel to daily conversation into our daily life. Yeah, Jason. Sometimes you just you got to put yourself in a position where you just have to do it. Yep. You know, because the more that you have that opportunity, you're not going to be able to back down. Either you're going to say something or you're going to claim it. And I deal in confrontation every day. Every day. Here's your belligerent person. It's easy to cower down because I've done it before too. But if you're put in that position, I promise you you're going to do two things. You're either going to clam up or just go for it. The worst thing you can do is just say, you know what? We're not always going to do it perfectly either. Uh, but man, I, I look back on how God has been has been gracious to me. Even though there have been times where I've gotten the gospel horribly wrong, and uh, but just He is He is faithful. He He works, and and uh, so let's pray together because we are way over time. Thank you so much for being patient with me. Let's 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 pray together. Father, thank you so much for for the gospel. Lord, it is the power of God and the salvation for everyone who believes. Lord, we agree with what your word says. We submit to your command to make disciples and, to, and, and, and under that umbrella of making disciples that we proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Lord, that the repentance and forgiveness of sins may be proclaimed in Jesus' name to all nations, beginning here in Calhoun. So, Lord, help us. Lord, make us a church that yearns to glorify Christ and to see people come to know Christ. Lord, that you would be glorified in our midst, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. You are dismissed.